Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 143. Taking a Royal Caribbean cruise is something everyone listening looks forward to, and I'm lucky enough to be embarking on my next Royal Caribbean adventure this week as I prepare to return to a ship I call home, Navigator of the Seas. I'll be previewing my upcoming Navigator of the Seas cruise and talk about why I picked this ship, the stateroom I reserved, and what my plans are on board and on shore. Here we go. When we talk about Royal Caribbean on the internet these days, you know, there's always a discussion, debates about our favorites, right? Favorite restaurants, favorite itineraries, favorite ships. And, you know, I am unapologetic when I say my favorite ship, my favorite Royal Caribbean ship has always been Royal Caribbean's Navigator of the Seas. I cruised on her back in 2014, and I really liked what I saw. I just really enjoyed the experience so much that it just jumped to the top of my list. And that's part of the reason why I am returning this week to Navigator of the Seas. And this week, I'd like to share with you my preview of my Navigator of the Seas cruise to give you an idea of what I'm doing. And the reason why we do all these previews, by the way, is to help share with all of you the decision-making process of why we go on a certain cruise on a certain ship at a certain time of year, because I think it's really helpful for everyone to understand the logic, why we choose A instead of B or X instead of Y or Z instead of D, right? It's, there's a lot of decision-making, and I think in that, kind of discussing why we do it in addition to what we're choosing, I think that helps people plan their Royal Caribbean cruises. And I pick Navigator of the Seas. Well, let's go back to the beginning. The reason why we're cruising this particular time of year, we picked this week, is because we are celebrating my wife's birthday. This is the big celebration that we're doing. Uh, this is actually something that a any this is a tip actually for any husband out there who's looking to plan a real Caribbean cruise, and your wife tells you no, uh, we can't afford it, we're not going to do it, we're busy, whatever the reason is. Uh, all you have to do is wrap it around someone's birthday, and all of a sudden they can't say no. It's a gift, right? Who are they to decline a gift? And so this was kind of the impetus. I said, well, I wanted to go on a cruise, celebrate her birthday, do something special. And just, you know, she kind of <laughs> lamented a little bit in her in her opposition to it. And here we are. We picked, we said, okay, we're going to do a cruise. And we looked at a lot of different options. And this time of year is kind of interesting because April, late April especially, is the time of year when a lot of Royal Caribbean cruises in North America, a lot of Royal Caribbean ships rather, are moving over to Europe. Uh, the winter months, a lot of Royal Caribbean ships operate in North America offering cruises to the Caribbean. But as the temperatures start to rise here in spring, a lot of ships start heading back over to Europe to start their summer season and you know offer cruises there. So with that in mind, you start having less availability of ships or options of ships, I should say, that go out of North America. And we kind of ran into this because we wanted to cruise over my wife's birthday. We actually ended up cruising the week after my wife's birthday just because of some logistical issues. But we wanted this time of year. And we looked at a lot of different options. There are quite a number. Obviously, you have cruises that go out of Florida, out of the Northeast, out of Texas. I mean, there's lots of great choices out there. But we ended up picking Navigator of the Seas. It's an eight-night Eastern Caribbean itinerary. And we picked it for a couple of reasons. Number one, as I mentioned earlier, alluded to earlier, Navigator of the Seas, my favorite cruise ship, something we really enjoyed. We went on Navigator of the Seas back in early 2014. In fact, if you want to listen to that, we did a podcast episode about it on episode 27. I'll post a link in our show notes to the uh, episodes we did about my Navigator of the Seas cruise. I did a live blog from there. We had a great time. This was when Navigator was based 
out of Galveston, Texas. And what I liked about Navigator this season, what drew me back to Navigator is the fact that they added so much. She was she received quite a number of upgrades, and she was kind of a test bit, if you remember, for some of the stuff that eventually came to other Royal Caribbean ships, namely Quantum of the Sea. She was the first ship, Navigator was the first ship to get a virtual balcony stateroom. Navigator of the Seas was the first ship to get a a Sabor Modern New Mexico, my favorite restaurant. And so, you know, this was that really struck me. And what's great about Navigator of the Seas and the Voyager class in general, quite honestly, is the amazing value you get out of them. I mean, a, a Voyager class ship is a large ship. It's virtually identical in many cases to a Freedom class ship. The only difference is a Freedom class ship is just bigger. It's a bigger version of it. Uh, but but Voyager class ships are wonderful ships that offer a lot. It has a Royal Promenade. It has a lot of different amenities. And on Navigator, this is they offer they added actually a Flow Rider and a lot of different options out there. And boy, is it something that that drew us. And we saw, wow, there's a lot on this ship. A, B, you look at the pricing available. It's really good. And C, the itinerary. And, then, and we're going to talk about all of those things. This is an eight night itinerary. We're going to. Some of my favorite islands and something new. We're going to Labadee, San Juan, Puerto Rico, St. Kitts, St. Martin. I've never been to St. Kitts before, so this is some opportunity to go check out a brand new port in the Caribbean. And then the other ports I mentioned, Labadee, San Juan, St. Martin, are among my favorite, favorite uh, ports of call to visit. So this is a great chance to be able to do a lot of these things and you know go on a ship that we love to places we love and you know, mixing some new things as well. So that really was a huge factor in deciding to pick Navigator of the Seas. And it's something that really compelled me to, to return here. Now, of course, the value is wonderful, too. This is an eight-night cruise, so it goes Saturday to Sunday. So only five days of vacation time required. And the pricing on this cruise was amazing. The interesting thing is this is the last Navigator of the Seas cruise before she goes over to Europe. Uh, she'll be, she is sailing out of Fort Lauderdale. She's been doing that all winter long. And then she's going to go over to Europe. And then when she returns from Europe, she's going to go down to Miami and offer cruises out of there. So kind of a different uh, option uh, once she returns. But, you know, for us, this is a really cool idea. And uh, for, for our room, well, again, it's my wife's birthday. We wanted to do something special. And we looked at different stateroom options. And we ended up pick, booking a junior suite. We picked the junior suite. Because, again, I wanted to do something a little special. And the junior suite pricing was actually pretty darn good. Now, this was a kind of a difficult choice, I'll be honest with you, because I had to weigh the fact that we're bringing our two children with us and space. And as many of you know, especially if you listen to some other podcast episodes I've done or maybe some Periscopes, I love my children. But, gosh, do I love separation from them. <laughs> Having two rooms on Allure of the Seas was a huge benefit and actually compelled me, that experience, to change my upcoming September cruise on Freedom of the Seas. That's actually our Royal Caribbean blog group cruise, which everyone here is invited to join us on. More details in our show notes at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Shameless plug. Um, but I actually changed my mind for that cruise to book two rooms here. But Navigator, we stuck with our junior suite. And we rationalized it basically, well, it's a junior suite. And a junior suite, for those who are unaware, is basically just, it's not really a suite. It's just a larger balcony stateroom, right? And it gives us the opportunity to get a lot more space. So I'm not going to feel cramped by any means inside the room. But we also get the something that also my wife really likes because it is her birthday. I mean, I, I kind of joke about that. We booked this for her birthday, and I'm using air quotes around that. But reality is we also wanted to do something special. And having an ocean-facing balcony is something we haven't done in quite a while. When we were on Alert of the Seas, we had a Central Park balcony. And then cruises before that, my wife didn't join me on that cruise. We won't mention those. But we really haven't had a true balcony experience in a while. And we figured this is a great opportunity to do that. So we picked the junior suite. 
and I'm hoping that I will not you know, we won't we won't get all in, in each other's business throughout the seven the eight nights of this cruise, but nonetheless it'll be a great time. And of course, eight nights, an extra day. I don't have to worry and dread day seven. Well, I'll still dread day seven, but I still have another day after that, which is even better. So let's talk about my plans for Navigator of the Seas. And there's a lot. I mean, we looked at a lot of different options. I think the the first thing we booked, to be perfectly honest with you guys, is we're looking at the options that my wife said, oh, look, we're cruising over Cinco de Mayo. We should book Sabor Modern Mexican on Cinco de Mayo. And I said, honey, this is why I married you. Genius. Sheer genius. So we booked Sabor. That's our reservation. I am certain we will end up there more often. We actually want to do a lot of specialty dining on board. My wife has said that she would really like to do chops. Girl, we have done chops in a couple of cruises. We skipped her on on the allure of the sea, so we want to get back there. And for lunch, boy, Giovanni's table is a great option for lunch because it's so inexpensive. Sabor is also a, a good option for lunch as well, so we'll have to do that. They have Azumi on board, and of course, as many of you know, I love going to Azumi for my pre-dinner, where essentially I go up there. We have late dinner seating, so I will go up there early uh, when my wife and after uh, basically after my wife is getting ready to drop the kids off at Adventure Ocean, and I go over there and and check that out and kind of enjoy a little appetizer as you if you as you will, well something like that, and getting a chance to eat there. That's probably a big one for us. Um, also, yeah, the, you know, there's great entertainment on board Navigator of the Seas, uh, both in the shows, in the events. You know, there's obviously I think we're going to spend. This is a family cruise. We're going to be doing a lot of uh, pool time. I'm hoping. Uh, I know that the uh, the oldest, the five-year-old, can go in the pool, and she loves the pool, so we'll definitely be doing that, and otherwise enjoy pretty much what the ship has to offer. Of course, we are visiting some pretty cool islands, as I mentioned, Labadee. Our plan is pretty simple. We're just going to hang out by the beach. I actually ended up booking a special excursion through Royal Caribbean. I wasn't planning on booking anything, and I'm actually breaking my cabana streak. Don't worry. It'll be resuming again next cruise when we when we revisit Labadee on Freedom of the Seas. But this one, we didn't want to spend the money here because we've got weird hours. We're here from like Labadee from 7 a.m. to like 2 p.m. It's really odd. Uh, and I think it's a product of the itinerary. But nonetheless, I was just going to go to the beach and hang out. But I found and I spotted on the cruise planner these beach loungers that are available. And these are the same beach loungers that are available on Coco Cay. Now, Coco Cay... You pay for the beach lounger, and you get not only a little – the beach lounger, for those who aren't aware, is essentially a coverall, a kind of a almost an umbrella-type thing that comes up from the ground and covers the width of two lounge chairs and provides shade for, for someone sitting within there. And on Coco Cay, you get you know some water, you get service and what have you. This has never been offered in Labrador. They actually have those, those coveralls, the – the loungers but there's nothing you just take them there's nothing there's no cost to them well now there's actually a shore excursion that offers this and i'm not quite sure what it offers it's 35 dollars for two people and it just essentially says obviously besides providing the actual lounger itself it just provides waiter service now i'm not quite sure if that means i'm paying 35 dollars just to get someone you know have no weight to be able to get drinks or if I'm also getting some more involved, more stuff that's coming to me as part of that $35. I'm not sure, but hey, I am doing my due diligence as a hardworking blogger to make sure that I'm getting you all the best possible information and understand what is the $35 get you with this. So I think it's a new excursion. I'm not sure. It's new to me at least. And so we're going to check that out. 
In San Juan, we're going to leave the children on board the ship at Adventure Ocean and go and check out the city, Old San Juan, me and my wife. We love doing that because the reason why we're leaving our kids on board is because Old San Juan has a lot of walking involved and it's a lot of uneven walking. There's a lot of steps. and So it's not the most stroller-friendly place on Earth. No, that's a problem. But really, the, at the core of the issue, we love our children and we know our children very well and our children do not like when we're just walking around a lot. <laughs> they're, it's, they're not keen on that. And pretty soon thereafter, you're going to start hearing the, they're tired and you know they'll whine, complain. So let them stay on board, enjoy some time playing with other kids while my wife and I enjoy what we like doing, which is walking around and eating a lot. Rest assured, there will be plenty of Puerto Rican street food consumed by yours truly. And we're going to have an opportunity to check out some of my favorite sites, get some photos in. And I'm really looking forward to getting back to, to Puerto Rico because I love old San Juan. I think it's a beautiful island. We were hoping to be able to do the the bioluminescent bay because we're going to be there from 2 to 9 p.m. But evidently, it's not dark enough by the time we leave for the bioluminescent bay, unfortunately. So uh, we'll just be hanging out in old San Juan. Nothing wrong with that. Love doing that. Next to St. Kitts, we don't have anything booked, but we're trying to do a train tour that Royal Caribbean offers. It's not available online anymore. It was available, and then they stopped showing it available as online. So I'm hoping we get to the shore excursion desk and work some magic and get that in. Otherwise, I am all for any suggestions anyone has. If you are listening to this before I leave, please do me a favor and send me a message on Facebook or on Twitter and share with me some suggestions. Uh, we're not interested in – we've got kids, so we cannot do catamarans or – river tubing or anything like that that requires <laughs> coordination beyond a five-year-old level uh so it's got to be something fairly unique we're looking at the reason why we want to do the train tour is to be able to essentially get a taste of the island see what's around there and it's not long enough that we wouldn't be able to do something else afterwards maybe we'll run across and be like, hey look that looks really cool let's go over there and take a taxi there you know what i mean so it's it's about as non-committal as you can get <laughs> but still doing something and then in St. Martin, we're using the services of a very good friend of mine, Leo Brown, who is a taxi driver that we've used him a number of times. You've probably heard him uh, mention on this podcast a number of times of myself and on previous visits to St. Martin. And we're going to be using him again. This time, I'm going to try something different. Usually, we go to the beach first and then try to go eat or walk around and explore. And the problem with that plan is always that my kids are always tired because they just spent hours at the beach under the sun swimming and expending energy so by the time we get to something in the afternoon they're just wiped out so this time i want to try doing it in reverse and going to say marigo off the bat or some other town on the french side walking around doing some shopping some eating and then when they start getting annoying about that we're walking around too much that's when we hop in the car have leo drive us to one of our favorite beaches which is uh legalian beach legalian beach is a beach on the dutch side and what's unique about it is that it's a protected cove, protected in the sense that there's uh, rocks that protect from waves. So it's almost like a lake. There's really no waves at all, which is perfect for both my children. The one-year-old can't swim, and the five-year-old is not a very strong swimmer. So we don't have to worry about them playing in the water without us, or at least not without close supervision. You know what I mean? Like We don't have to hold them in the water. They can kind of splash around on their own, and it's great, and I really enjoy that there. So that's basically our shore plans, and otherwise, you know... I'm, you know, as even though I'm a really big on planning, I'm leaving a lot of this out in the open. Uh, you know, kind of see where the, you know, where the cruise takes us, literally and metaphorically. Uh, you know, part of it is exploring and, and discovering new things. You know, and kind of seeing. You know, there is something to be said about having you know spontaneity and being able to enjoy the cruise that way. So that's basically in a nutshell what we're doing. And of course, if you want to follow along. 
We'll be live blogging our experiences over at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. I'll actually post in our show notes a link to the very first post of our live blog, our pre-cruise preview, <laughs> where I kind of lay a lot of this out that I mentioned, some other details as well. So that way you have an idea where to go and get all set up for the live blog. I'll be doing that every day. There'll be a brand new post at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com to be able to check out there. And, of course, we'll be recapping everything right here on the podcast when I return. So we're pretty excited. i got to say, this is... As we're now counting down the days and hours until our cruise, we are pretty darn excited. I think we're all ready for a nice week away on a cruise ship and getting back on, boy, what a beautiful ship navigator this is. I can't wait. I know the family can't wait. And uh, it should be a really, really fun time. It's time to answer your Royal Caribbean emails. This is the part of the show where we dedicate to you, to your questions, thoughts, comments about anything about Royal Caribbean. Maybe you read something on the blog and you want to comment about it. This is your forum. This is your opportunity. And I read your emails. So if you want to email me your thoughts, questions, whatever, send me an email, matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Don't forget to put your name and where you're from so I can say your name and where you're from and totally impress your friends and family. They'll think there is nothing cooler than this. Guaranteed. (laughs) Our first email is from Patrick who writes, hey Matt, I'm not sure if you know the answer to this or not, but I thought I'd give you try. Royal Caribbean did release the Caribbean Bahamas and Northeast 2017-2018 deployment itineraries this past week, as promised. However, I noticed that there was nothing available for selling out of Baltimore past April 2017. So, essentially, no new itineraries were added for there. Do you have any insight why this is? Some insider information, perhaps? I'll be relocating my family to Washington, D.C. in a little over a year from now. I would love to sail on the Vision class ships out of Baltimore, so we really are looking forward to having easy access while we're there. I'm hoping this will still be an option. Any info you could provide would be greatly appreciated. Patrick, I'm sure by now you know that actually this information came out. And for anyone who's listening to this episode in the future, and this, I think the answer to this is still going to be helpful. When Royal Caribbean releases itineraries and they do their deployment schedules, as they often do in the beginning of the year, somewhere in the ballpark of you know February, March, April, they have now kind of slid towards partial deployments. Back in the day, they would just literally release it all. You know, here it is. Boom. But now they're kind of hedging their bets, and they're taking longer to release it all. And for some reason, Baltimore, and actually not just the Baltimore cruises, but the cruises out of New York on Bayonne uh, were also delayed as well, and they released them subsequently. Uh, And the reason for it, I I don't know. I don't think we'll ever know the real reason for it. You know, I think part of it, if you were to ask my opinion that's based on nothing but speculation, I would tell you that I think that it's related to Royal Caribbean trying to figure out, okay, let's just make sure we're making the right decision financially for this company, you know, to have this ship based here and this ship visit these islands. There's a lot of logistics. This is not like coming up with, you know, your fantasy football roster. This is coming up with, okay, these ships have, you know, they're planning years in advance. They've got to figure out where should these ships go? Where's their availability for them to go? And what makes the most financial sense of the company? And unfortunately, that comes at the expense of people who want to plan sooner, right? Uh, You know, Patrick wants to book their cruise now. Darn it. Well, I can understand that, Patrick. But hopefully now you're all set to be able to book things through 2018 and you'll be good to go. I'm looking forward to hearing, Patrick, what you end up booking because Granger's a great ship and I need to book a cruise on there as well. So, Patrick, uh, if you got room in your room, (laughs) let me know. Let's keep things rolling with our next email. It's from Razor Ray, who writes, Matt, I've been listening to your podcast and Periscopes. I just love the fact there is a quick method to get answers on cruising. My wife also loves the fact that I have an outlet to use to talk about cruising other than herself. (laughs) I think my wife shares that sentiment with you. 
Uh, Razor Ray continues, Recently, friends of mine sailed on Oasis of the Seas and told us that they loved the ship, but however, there were a few personal amenities they took for granted that were not in the rooms, with one of them being hair conditioner. My question is, can you think of any other small personal amenities or maybe just nice-to-have items that we might not think to bring on our next sailing in April 2016? Man, good question. So things that you might think would be there but aren't there kind of things. Uh, Obviously, uh, conditioner is one. So as for anyone who's maybe new to cruising or doesn't remember, in Royal Caribbean, if you're not staying in a suite, in your shower, there's going to be a shampoo dispenser, which I think actually is like two-in-one stuff. I don't know. Quite honestly, I don't know. But it is the it is shampoo at the very least. But that's all there is. It's not like they provide you little bottles of sh- of conditioner or body wash. In addition to that, so body wash is another one or, or your own favorite soap, whatever that happens to be. Uh, but that is something you want to bring if you're, that's important to you. Uh, and i got to say, outside of a suite, if you're in a suite, you get special little bottles, and they're very, very nice, and um, that's provided for you. That's definitely uh, the big one, and I know my wife always packs this. I'm actually trying to think of my wife's – I'm trying to channel my wife here. What would my wife pack? You know, And I think what she ends up packing is obviously the stuff I just mentioned, conditioner, body wash, all the things that are important. I mean she breaks her own shampoo quite honestly because, you know, she needs the – she wants the stuff that she's used to. Rightfully so. I mean, it's really, uh, other than that, you know, small personal amenities, you know, a a hair straightener for women is one that is really uh, big for a lot of folks. And, you know, otherwise, a lot of what's provided is usually satisfactory. I have a very (laughs) low tolerance or high tolerance, I guess, for, you know, for what I need to get by for a week. It doesn't bother me. I like the shampoo on the wall. To me, that is like part of the cruise experience it is like yes dispense the mystery liquid into my hair it is totally cool because it's just to me that's one of those signs i'm on a cruise i don't know call me crazy sunscreen is probably the big one i think a lot of people don't think about because it is available on the ship it's probably not the best price available on board so you would definitely want to make sure you you have that uh sunglasses you know things basically for the beach i think that's a lot of what a lot of people over overlook when they're packing and uh, I hope a little bit of this helps, Razor, and I hope you have a great time on your cruise. Next up, we have an email from Tommy. He writes, thanks for the podcast. This There really isn't a better way to get excited for a cruise other than listening to your show. Keep up the good work. Your blog continually reminds me that there is more to life than work. Anyways, I'm going on a layer of the seas, Western Caribbean, for my honeymoon in July. You should know two things about me. I'm a foodie and a planner. There are two things that are very much at odds with the three, four, and five-night dining packages. I've decided, however, to go for it and book the five-night dining package if I can reserve it when a reservation is open. What are the chances I'll have issues with getting reservations since I have to wait to reserve? I'm not too picky. I can be flexible, but I'm concerned with something like chops will be booked at the point where I'm unable to go to any other time other than 4.30. Have you ever seen this happen? I plan to make all my reservations on embarkation day. I'd love to hear a real testimonial about satisfaction with the dining packages on an Oasis class ship. I'll be happy to provide one when I return July 17th. Tommy, first of all, yes, I would love an email, Tommy, uh, giving you your thoughts on this. I would tell you that I was just on Allure of the Seas, as you know, Tommy, back in February. And the the great thing about being on an Oasis class ship, I think, with this package is the dining packages work better, I think, on the Oasis class ship just because there's so many different options. Like, if you're on a on a ship that only has, let's say, three or four specialty restaurants only, <laughs> you're going to run into more problems. The only time I've ever been denied a walk-up reservation at any specialty restaurant across any Royal Caribbean ship was on Brilliance of the Seas, Chops Grill on their formal night. 
that was the only time it's ever happened. Usually they're always like, oh yeah, we can take you, no problem at all, because they're all about taking you know people in there, and there's usually availability. So, but that was a ship that obviously has significantly less options than an Oasis class ship. So, is there a risk? Yes. Is do I think it's a great risk? No. If I were you, would I probably go ahead with it? Yeah, I think so. If you're committing to five specialty restaurants, I think that you won't have a problem. I think at worst, you may have to switch your day. I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to avoid, no one wants to eat dinner. They're not open at 4.30, but you know what I mean? You don't want that five o'clock. You want that nice six or seven o'clock. I think you may have to push it towards the end of the cruise, perhaps, or rearrange some things. But I think as long as you're somewhat flexible, and you, you mentioned that anyway, you're not too picky, can be flexible. I think you're the right mindset. The dining package is not for people who want to be able to eat at this restaurant on this day at this time, and there is no exceptions to it. They need to eat at this time, this day, because of whatever reason, you know? Uh, maybe it's the entertainment schedule. Maybe there's the short, you know, they're, they're, they're on a port day and they've got other things going on. I, who knows? But if as long as you're okay with saying, you know what? Maybe I won't get in at 6.30. Maybe I'll get in at 7.30. Or maybe it'll be an 8 o'clock dinner. If you're okay with that kind of stuff, then I'm sure it's fine. And quite honestly, again, being on an Oasis-class ship, having all those other options only stands to benefit you. And I think based on my experience on both Oasis of the Seas and Allure of the Seas now, I feel like there is always room for more folks, especially even just walk-up. So obviously, if you go on embarkation day like you should... Make your reservation. I think you'll be okay, Tommy. And I'm looking forward to hearing your your testimonials when you return. But I've heard nothing but good things in that regard, Tommy. I just put it out there that theoretically, yes, you could get locked out and you might be forced to a 4.30 dinner or something like that. But I don't think it's a realistic possibility, but it is worth mentioning. It's like it could happen, but the chances are quite low. Tommy also has one last question. I don't drink much, but I do like especially drink when I do. What should I expect to pay for a nice old-fashioned or scotch? Numbers floating around the internet vary a lot. Absolutely, Tommy, question. So when you're ordering a drink a la carte, so you're not using a drink package, the price is going to depend on a couple of things. Number one, with the restaurant you're on. Number two, the ship. I don't know if you've paid, if you've, anyone's noticed this. The prices of restaurants and drinks and food in general depend on the ship. If you're on a brand new ship, if you're on an Anthem of the Seas or an Oasis class ship, it seems like the prices are a little bit higher than if you're on Brilliance of the Seas or a Voyager class ship. It, I think it's just the product of newer ships, clientele, what have you. I'll leave that to somebody else to debate, you know, the virtues of of the charging practices. That being said, how much should you expect to pay? I think you're going to pay at least $12. That for most cocktails I've seen on any roller coaster ship these days in 2016, I cannot imagine paying less than $12 for a mixed drink. I know that scotch is not a mixed drink, it's a straight liquor, but I think you're probably going to pay if you pay less than if the base price before gratuity, these are all before gratuity by the way was before $12, I would be kind of surprised, honestly. But I think you're going to pay somewhere between, let's say, $10 and $12. Obviously, if you're going for top shelf versus, you know, house, there's just going to drive the price up from there. But it, I think it really depends. And again, I'm not a scotch expert by any means or a whiskey <laughs> expert. But I think you're going to start around $12 and it'll go from there. Uh, and that's just based on my own experiences there. So, and of course, you can always ask, right? Ask around, and also keep in mind. I know you're mentioning your specialty restaurants that you're going to be eating at, uh, but the the pricing for drinks also vary from bar to bar. I noticed this when I was on a number of different ships. You know, like I like having a Bloody Mary in the morning, and you know the price of Bloody Mary, depending on which bar you go to, actually does vary. Some bars it is less expensive than other bars. In fact, I remember when I was on 
Freedom of the Seas, for some odd reason, the Sky Bar, the bar by the pool, cost the most versus a bar that was, I think, I don't remember which one it was, Boleros, maybe, who knows, was a lot more, uh, less expensive. So it does pay to shop around and, and take a look at that. And of course, it also mentioned, it, it depends also what kind of liquor you want. Is it top shelf? Is it regular? Is it call? Is it, you know, house liquor? That also helps a lot. So, uh, yeah, Tommy, that, I know it's a tough question. I would also recommend, I'll post a link in our show notes, Tommy, too. I have a, I try to at least keep track of Royal Caribbean drink prices across the fleet. And there's a link in our show notes at royalcaribbeanblog.com. You can check it out, Tommy, and hopefully be able to help you uh, have a better idea of what to expect when you're on your cruise there and, and enjoying your nice uh, old-fashioned. Next, we have an email from Susan who writes, Matt, just listen to your latest podcast. I have a question about dining. If you purchase the dining package, do you have to use it in different restaurants, or can you go back to one if you want? When we go to Harmony this season, I want to try Wonderland, but my husband loves the bison in the Solarium Bistro and wants to go there at least a few times. Also, does the price for the specialty restaurants include gratuities? Susan, good, good question. Yes, it does include gratuities. Uh, this year, you're covered in that regard. Can you repeat? Sure, why not? I don't see why it would be a problem. I mean, you're just, you know, whether you mix it up or you're, <laughs> you go to the same one for, you know, three, four, or five nights, as long as there's availability, I don't see a problem with that, Susan. Granted, I haven't tried it out, but I, I there's no rules that say otherwise, and I can't imagine why they would say no. But what would be, you know, the, you paid for a restaurant experience. If you want to go to Solarium Bistro three times, I can't imagine why that would be a problem. So I'm telling you, if I were you, and this is the best advice I can give when I'm speculating, if I were you, I would probably be okay with it, and I would I would expect that to occur. So for what that's worth, I hope it works out. Susan, of course, let us know what happens when you go on there, because, of course, we won't, it always is nice when we have definitive answers for everyone out there. And I'm not afraid to say I don't know, because I don't know everything, but I know some things. <laughs> Not as much as my wife gives me credit for. That's let's put it that way. Also, uh, next email is from Murph, who writes, Who do I contact to make a suggestion? I bought the drink package on my most recent back-to-back cruise on Freedom of the Seas, and as a benefit of the dime level, I received three drinks automatically loaded on top of my CPAS card every day to be had during cocktail hours. But since I had the premium drink package, those became moot. I would like to suggest that Diamond and Up receive a discount on the package. As for my review of Freedom of the Seas, it receives all high stars for every part of the cruise, save for excursions, of which I did not take. I never thought it would be possible that the staff could be any more accommodating, but I broke my collarbone the week before the cruise and was forced to wear a sling no matter where I was on the ship. I received extra attention and assistance. The place that it stood out the most was the Windjamer, where uh, whoever was nearby I went when I went to go choose my food would take my tray from me and ask what I wanted and served it for me and brought it to my table for me. And if I wanted more, they told me to wave anyone down and they would take care of it. The only flaw I could find is the unavailable BLT sandwiches. I booked another cruise and received some great pricing with room credits. Thank you for the podcast. But first of all, I'm sorry you broke your, sh- your your shoulder, but I'm glad to hear you had a phenomenal time, especially with service. I love Royal Caribbean service. I think they do a great job with it. In fact, I'm going to say Royal Caribbean's level of service is underappreciated, under. Uh, not just underappreciated, but but under under announced, under spoken of. <laughs> These are not good uses of English, but it, it's something that goes not near. They don't get as much credit for it as they as they should because they've got amazing staff who work extremely hard to make your cruise better. And boy, Murph just uh, had a great example of that. So your question was, how do you make a suggestion? The best way to make a suggestion, if you ask me is do it in your post-cruise survey. So Murph, you probably already passed this point, but when you get off a cruise, it doesn't matter which one, you're going to get an email a couple days later from Royal Caribbean saying, hey, we'd love for you to share your thoughts with us. And you go through, and there's a bunch of different 
multiple choice options. But at the end, there is a catch-all area to just put anything in there. You can put, like, you know, uh, so-and-so is really nice. Or, in this case, hey, I have a suggestion for the cocktail hours. And, you know, those coupons and drink packages. You can put it all down there. That is the best place to put it because you're essentially, you are a Royal Caribbean uh, customer Royal Caribbean can see that you just took a cruise, you just paid for it. Your opinion, in the grand scheme of opinions, is the most important to Royal Caribbean. It seems like those comments in the serve, post-cruise survey seem to carry the most weight to them. Could you send an email to Royal Caribbean now? Absolutely. I'm not certain it will... Re- I, I just feel like, in my experience, based on what I've seen, read, heard, and experienced, it seems like the post-cruise survey is what gets you the most bang for your buck for for actually getting A, a response and B, for getting affecting change. It seems like a lot of what Royal Caribbean does when they make changes is based primarily, not solely, but primarily around what you see in those post-cruise surveys. So, Murph, I hope that answers your question there. And I think it's a great idea. And a lot of folks who are diamond and above would probably agree with you, probably nodding their head like, yeah, that's kind of a, not an issue, but certainly something they've noticed. And, you know, it's... It's interesting because the drink packages are something that Royal Caribbean has obviously done very well with, and I'm not sure how that would work with it. I think if I were Royal Caribbean, I would say, okay, we'll offer you the drink package discount. Obviously, you won't get the 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 free drinks anymore. It, it, it's a very much a, a double-edged sword because not everybody who's diamond uh, buys a drink package. Myself is prime example of that, and I'm looking forward to my three free drinks to be able to use as a diamond member in Royal Caribbean's current anchor society. So it's kind of one of those, you know, you're going to have people like Murph and people like me on either side of the coin here saying, no, we like it. No, we don't like it. You know, uh, it, it's tough. And I understand both sides of the, of the coin. I don't think, I, I don't think Murph or myself are both are wrong. I think we're both right. So, but hey, it's situa- situations like this. I am glad I don't run Royal Caribbean. <laughs> Next, we have an email from Brian Robinson who writes, Just a quick question, which I'm sure has been asked, but I don't recall in a recent podcast. I know Quantum Class introduced the WoW bands with RFID chips and utilization of the Royal IQ app. A number of Royal Caribbean ships have either been dry docked or scheduled for dry docked for various reasons. Are you aware of Royal Caribbean plans to start introducing this technology for ships? We really appreciate how much you touch on each different topic on every podcast episode and look forward to the Royal Caribbean blog February group cruise and putting a face with a name of a number of Royal Caribbean blog insiders. Brian, thank you so much for the email. Thank you for mentioning the Royal Caribbean blog insiders. Of course, that's the uh, group of folks who donate to Royal Caribbean blog and I don't give them back some cool rewards for doing so. I will shamelessly post a link in our show notes to get more information about the insider program. It's wonderful. I'm loving it, not just because, obviously, the the support in your donations mean a lot. It's really done a lot for RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. But it has been also a great gateway for me to get to know so many of you. And Brian is one of them. And I love it. That, that to me, is so cool. So thank you for the email, Brian. To answer your question, Royal Caribbean has not added WoW bands or the Royal IQ app to any Royal Caribbean ship that is not brand new. And when I was on... I don't remember if it was Quantum or Anthem of the Seas, but I was speaking to some guys who were working on it. And essentially, Royal Caribbean has said or decided that they are targeting or focusing on the new builds, the new ships. So Harmony of the Seas will have WoW bands. We'll have the Royal IQ app, as opposed to trying to retrofit them on older ships. I think this is twofold, and I think there are two reasons for this. I'm not sure which... Now, what I just said before this 
was accurate based on what I had conversations with with certain folks in Royal Caribbean. Now I'm about to speculate on that. I think the reason why they chose to go this way is number one, I think that there is a logistical aspect to it. Obviously, they only have X amount of resources. The new ships are a priority and they're a higher priority than older ships. Number two is I think the WoW band strategy has changed quite a bit over the years. When they were first rolled out for Quantum of the Seas, it seemed like they were destined for every ship in the fleet, and it was a matter of time. And then they changed their mind, kind of. As we can see on Anthem of the Seas, they started charging for the WoW bands. The Royal IQ app hasn't been rolled out to any other ship, which, that to me, really boggles my mind, because that just seems like a better guess experience for very little extra cost, if, if any. But I suspect that the way they built it out, it's kind of... WoW bands and the Royal IQ app are kind of married to each other, for better or worse. And I think that's kind of why we only see them ever together and never, neither, you know, they're never apart from each other. So, do I think they're going to start introducing for older ships? I hope so. I certainly, I don't love it. I think it was really, really cool. I love having the convenience of it. I love not having to worry about CPAS cards. But I'm not certain that we're going to see them on older ships in, say, the next year or two. Because obviously we just had a number of ships get refurbished and none of them got any of these changes. So, I guess we'll have to see. It's, it's really hard to say. Uh, next, we have an email from Kristen McDole, who writes, My name is Kristen, and I recently came across your blog about a month ago. We're booked on Harmony of the Season November for the, her first seven-day Caribbean cruise, and we can't wait. I've been on two cruises prior to this, Navigator of the Season 2004 and Mariner of the Season 2006. Although I've cruised Royal Caribbean before, in a way, I feel like I'm a first-timer, as this has been ten years, and so much has changed. I'm binge listening to your podcast along with your daily Harmony posts, and I can't believe the amount of information I am gaining from listening, and I'm even writing down quick notes on a post-it while I listen at work. First of all, thank you, Chris. I'm going to pause you right there. Thank you so much for the very, very kind words. Really appreciate it. Back to Chris's email. I have a quick question for you. Okay, maybe a few. We ended up getting really lucky with our booking and didn't even know the sale was going on at the time. It is also a coincidence we are on the first seven-night Caribbean sailing for Harmony of the Seas. We are purposely looking for a specific week as it's our son's birthday and also the time off worked well with my job. We ended up with over $400 on onboard credit. I am struggling on the best way to use this. We definitely want to get a drink package for each of us, although we haven't decided the exact one we want. In one of the podcasts I was listening to, you mentioned how long the lines are to purchase the drink package. I was originally planning on purchasing on board, but being it's our first seven-day Caribbean cruise, I am sure it's going to be filled to capacity, and I don't want to waste my time standing in line like you said. What are your thoughts? Besides the spa, what are some other good options to use the onboard credit for? I don't want to be looking for things to spend just to spend money. That is a great question, Chris. So here's the thing. Yes, are there lines to buy the drink package on day one? Absolutely, I see it every single time. The good news is, I would tell you that if you want to use your onboard credit for it, which is a great use of onboard credit, by the way, you can certainly, not as a risk, but you can wait for embarkation day. The reality is, just don't wait in those long lines. Just give it a little bit of time. You may have to wait later in the day, which, of course, comes at the expense of you not having drinks earlier. If it's really important to you to have those drinks, like as soon as you get on board the ship, you got two options. One is you pre-order it and you pay out of pocket or you stand in one of those lines or you get to the ship really early. Certainly, if you do embarkation early enough, if you're one of the first few folks on there, the lines aren't too bad. The lines get really bad in the afternoon and I probably should should have qualified that by saying, you know, as you walk around the ship from say, oh, I would say 12, 31 o'clock to you know, four o'clock, you're going to find the lines are the longest because that's when most people start arriving. That's when most people say, oh, there's a drink package and they wait in line. Also, you can buy the drink package from any bar. It does not have to be, they have set, they set up kiosks, but you can go find some bar that's not being used. You're on Harmony of the Seas. There's a ton of bars. Go to the Wipeout Cafe where no one ever is or not as often as other bars. 
they'll sell it to you on the spot over there, and that could be a little bit easier for you. So, but what I'm saying is you can't make it work. You don't have to worry about it. Now, the other thing is, and this is something I tell my wife all the time, I have never, ever, ever had a problem spending on board credit. The spa's an easy one. That's, I mean, you know, one massage, you'll burn through half that money easily. Uh, the other one, of course, shore excursions. That's a big one. So for you're going places. That'd be an easy way to spend it. If it's not drinks, of course, you can spend the onboard credit at specialty restaurants. That's another good one to use it for. So, I, Chris, and rest assured, you're not going to have a problem spending that onboard credit. I think that between drinks, restaurants, and excursions, I think you'll have plenty, plenty of opportunity to, to use that onboard credit. Uh, Chris continues, I just listened to your podcast about dining, and I'm so glad I did it before I purchased the specialty dining package. Even though you said you don't think it'd be an issue, I am getting nervous getting stuck with a time or place I do not want or does not work into our schedule. This will be my husband and my son's first cruise and also my son's birthday. We splurge on an ocean view balcony on deck 14. I'm so looking forward to this cruise, and I want to make sure I go where I want when I want. I would be very let down if I had a compromise on our dining. I've always done traditional dining, and this is, and it's my preference. Unfortunately, when we book, the only option available is my time. Because of this, we're going to visit a couple specialty restaurants. I can already see reservations are booking fast. Again, I think it's because it's the first Caribbean sailing that she, Harmony is going on. So I think that I want to go on the route of reserving our two or three specific restaurants we want to visit and paying now, even though it ends up not being more money. Is this silly thinking? No, not at all. I think you're doing exactly what you should do. As I mentioned in the earlier email, Kristen, the other person was okay with a little flexibility. You know, maybe it's on day two, maybe it's on day three. Maybe it's at six, maybe it's at 7.30. Eh, you know, if that's not your thinking, if you cringe at what I just said, it is not for you. The, the dining package is not for you. Book what you want, when you want it, and then you'll be happy. Your happiness is worth something to you. Just to say $10, I'm not sure that's worth it to you. So in this situation, I think you're doing the right thing, Chris. And I think you're going about it because you want to you eat at a specific time, at a specific restaurant, at a specific day. Just book it in advance. Again, I, I think you'll be happier with it. And if that, then that's what it's all about, right? It's your vacation. Don't compromise on your vacation, right? My son will turn seven on a cruise and happens to fall on a sea day, which I am extremely excited about. We're going to order the birthday package in our stateroom. Do you have any other suggestions to make his day extra special? Not that being on the newest, biggest ship isn't special enough. Also, since his birthday is a few days into our cruise, is this something I can purchase on board? This way I can use the onboard credit towards it. Great question. We get this question a lot about, you know, we're celebrating special occasion, you know, what X, whatever it happens to be. How do we do it? What's the best way to do it? Certainly, you're going about it the right way. You can pre-book the birthday package. You can also, don't forget, you can, if you want us to use the onboard credit, could you buy it on board? I think so. I've never done it on board, but I'm reasonably certain you can. You can also have it, when you buy it now, you can actually specify which day you want the decorations to appear on. So maybe if you're embarking on Sunday, but his birthday's not until Wednesday, you can actually tell it, hey, don't deliver this until Wednesday. And... That way, it'll show up on his birthday. Or you can do it on the first day and get the most use out of it, whatever floats your boat. Uh, in terms of, you know, otherwise, make sure that your reservation, both for your cruise and any special dining you're going to, have a note in them that it is your son's birthday so that they're aware of it. Um, otherwise, you know, there's nothing uh, extremely special or, or unique that I would recommend that you go check out. But I think that a lot of what you're going to find here is, you know, what you're doing already to this point is about the extent of it. Otherwise, it's really just up to, you know, essentially some crew members surprising you with something nice. But I think you'll have a great time. And like you said, you're going on the biggest, newest, awesomest ship. You'll have a great time in there. 
Lastly, we live in Rhode Island and we'll be flying to Fort Lauderdale. We'll be going down at least one day prior, if not two. Like you, I want to be at the port as early as possible, and I do not want to worry about any delayed flights. Any suggestions on places to stay and if it's worth getting a rental car or if there are free shuttles to and from the airport, hotel, whatever? Absolutely. So here's what you want to do. Are there plenty of hotels near the port? Yes. The Embassy Suites, actually, in Fort Lauderdale is really close to it. The thing with any hotel that you're relying on their transportation is you're relying on their schedule. And uh, I think that even the Embassy Suites will get you there fairly early because I have a friend of ours that was on the Alert of the Seas group cruise that we just did. And he was staying there, and I know that he was actually in line before I was, if that tells you anything. The thing is, if you want to have full control over when you arrive and all that, a rental car is probably your best bet, just because it's one less thing to worry about, right? You know the car, and what I would do is I would, uh, the strategy I always use with rental cars at any port is drive the car to the port with your family and all your stuff, drop off your family, drop off your stuff, you alone or whoever goes back with the car empty to the rental car facility and then hop on the shuttle that's usually provided from the rental car facility back to the port. Now, another option for you, which may be more expensive, but maybe more convenient, is a taxi. And that may be, again, depending on rental car prices, you can actually, again, because you're going down there a couple days early, I'm sure you're probably getting a rental car anyway, so that's kind of why I don't think a taxi would be practical, but it would present one less challenge of trying to get back from the rental car facility to the port, which just eats up time, that's all it is. But if you're getting there early anyway, it's probably a mood issue, quite honestly, so... Really good questions, though, Chris, and I love it. We love answering all scopes of questions, whether it's a super advanced question or it's a really basic one. We're here to help. That's what it's all about. And thank you so much for the emails and listening to the podcast, Kristen. Love it. All right, folks. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. And, of course, if you want to have your email read here, I would love to. Let's talk Royal Caribbean together. Send me an email, matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.